And then we're going to feed him this like four course meal. And it was like during finals week, we had not slept in the past like three days. I'd slept maybe like 10 hours total. Oh my God. It was so bad because we were just like cooking. This is Wendy, and you're listening to my podcast. I'm here today with one of my math buddies, Chris. Chris is a junior undergrad studying applied math at USC. Welcome to my podcast, Chris. So happy to have you here today. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. Just so stoked. And yeah, so we met this semester in our math class when we were put in the same project group. So we got to know each other over Zoom during our fun data science project as we programmed for like hundreds of hours. (laughs) So many hours. So many hours. So much broken code. Yes, we debugged things that frankly weren't even Googleable at one point. (laughs) Oh my god. We begged our TA for help because literally it was a disaster. (laughs) Yeah, and our TA was like, I don't even know. Yeah, and when the TA doesn't know, like... It's bad. Yeah, it's, it's really bad. It's, it's not a good time. All, all good memories. Yes. So just this semester during our Zoom sessions, as we've sort of gotten to know each other, we've been talking a lot just about finding our own community on campus, you know, at USC, in person, also remotely. And so today... Um, We're talking a bit about how we foster and nurture a sense of community, both in the classroom by cultivating student-teacher relationships, um, and also just beyond in something that Chris is super passionate about, which is designing for food and dining. First, let's talk about cultivating student and teacher relationships, because Chris has a lot to say about this one. It's something I love to talk about. (laughs) So Chris is very close with our math professor this semester. I met him my uh, freshman year of school. I've taken two classes with him. He's the bomb. So our math professor, um, Professor Neil, or he just lets us call him Neil. For me as well, like I've definitely cultivated some relationships with my professors over the years. And so this is something I know that like a lot of people wonder just about like, how do we cultivate these relationships? How do we actually get to know professors just beyond class? And like, especially when classes are usually only like 15 or this semester, like 13 weeks, just kind of broadly speaking, what does the relationship between teachers and students usually look like? That's a really great question. I think it can look like a lot of different things. The student-teacher relationship is weird because like, basically like the teacher has to take care of like tons of students you know like they're sort of expected to like be there or like ideally they're like be there for every student know the name of every student care about every student like talk to every student Um, but that's an immense burden on the teacher and often it's really just not possible uh, for the teacher to do especially for large classes yeah and that's something that afflicts I think STEM in particular just because a lot of the classes are so large and the class atmosphere is like generally a bit more rigorous and competitive than in the humanities where it's a bit more like dare I say lovey-dovey in my like freshman year chem lecture it was like 200 people yeah yeah and and that's like a weeder class too like that's pretty brutal 
Oh my gosh. It's, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, so a teacher, so a teacher has this burden of like, you know, a teacher has this, you know, this responsibility to teach well to so many people. Um, right. On the other hand, like, you know, professors are, you know, professors are in the position of like being looked up to, but also like being scrutinized every day, yeah. being disliked, being talked about, you know, being rated. On rate my professors. <laughs> out of five <laughs> out of five stars <laughs> so hard things for the teachers yeah. to deal with hard things for the students to deal with too is like you know basically you know you're at the mercy of a professor and if you have a good professor that's awesome and if you have a bad professor it can be a terrible experience and yeah. it's just hard for both parties to navigate yeah it's definitely a fine line that you're walking yeah there's the category of like teacher and student don't like each other there's the most common one, which is usually like, do not care about each other. Like just teacher knows student's name, but like the student just like, you know, in a 200 person class, it's like most of the people fall into this category of like, they're yeah. just another person. Yeah, it's like, I know your face and that's all. Exactly. And it's yeah, like, you yeah. know, I see your name in the grade book, but it's like you, the teacher doesn't know this person. And then there's um, the few people who actually sort of cultivate like a positive relationship with the professor and right. then the professor knows the student and the student knows the professor. I'd say those are the three main types of teacher-student relationships. Yeah. I think we've definitely cultivated some relationships that might fall in the, in the third category. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in terms of these relationships, what makes that bond between teacher and student, what makes that unique for us? It's so rare for us as college students to form a friendship with an older person who's not our family. Definitely. Like it usually just doesn't happen. Yeah. I think that that can be really valuable in lots of ways. Um, I guess the, the one I care about most is like just interpersonally. It's like when it's good for you to have a diversified friend group. And so it's like this person is from a different generation than you like has had like life experiences that you haven't had yet and so they have a bunch of valuable perspectives that like people our age just don't have. I know sometimes my professors like they tell me about things that haven't like happened to me yet but it's like mm -hmm. but it's like when they talk about it it's like oh I know it's gonna happen in the future so like in some way like I can kind of like mentally prepare myself better. Yeah you can like you can get really good advice. Yeah. And for me also I think it's important is that like I get validation that I wouldn't get elsewhere. If I'm super excited about something and I tell my parents about it and they're like, yeah, that's cool. And then I tell my professor about it and he's really stoked about it. That makes me really happy. That makes me more confident in what I'm doing. And so it can be like another like node in your support system. Definitely. I And I think a lot of people like kind of overlook that because a lot of people just kind of see professors as like, oh, they're authority figures and they give us grades. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's true, they do have, you know, a certain amount of power um, over our grades, definitely. But, like, once you get to know them as people, like, you realize that just like everyone else, they have their own stories, and, like, they have their own passions, like, because they have a more mature perspective on life, it adds, like, nice variety to like, especially, I think especially in college, as we're growing, as we're figuring ourselves out, figuring out what we want to do um, and who we are, apart from, like, our home lives and our parents. Yeah, it's really such an, it's like, a, it's like really such an ad. Like, it adds, it just has the potential to add a lot. Definitely. And just in terms of, like, 
how that happened for us. Mm -hmm. So how did we get to know like professors during our time on campus, just during the semester, like as we took their classes? The best way to get to know professors, like all of the things that people probably already know, sit in the front, ask questions, go to office hours. Go to office hours, guys. <laughs> go to office hours. I mean, it's hard to do a lot of those things, especially a lot of, I guess yeah. in, in my case, like professors hold office hours at like impossible times most of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, like email your professor. It can definitely be like rather intimidating to like talk to your professor. I sort of like give myself back that power by choosing the professors I want to cultivate a relationship with, basically like choosing my friends. Yeah. Where it's like not 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 only are they picking me as like a student that they really like, but like I'm picking them as a teacher that I really like. So if there's a teacher that I don't like, I'm not going to go out of my way to like try and make friends with them. I'm just going to be like, I don't really like you. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, because just by nature, like we all gravitate towards, you know, people mm. who we get along with better, um, whether that be yeah. peers, professors, etc. Yeah, exactly. Don't be afraid to like reach out to. Definitely you know, professors and follow up with them. It's like, chances are like, they want to talk to you and get to know you because like, that's probably the most fulfilling part of their job. Definitely. A good professor, like, will want to like, you know, talk to students and get to know students. So just go for it. Like, Just do it. <laughs> just do it. You know, send that email. Maybe proofread it first, but send it. <laughs> yeah, guys, send good emails though. Don't. Um, yeah, send good emails. Yeah, like be professional and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of with what you like said about office hours with like time constraints and everything like it is difficult, um, but also like a lot of them are accommodating. So like if you do mm -hmm. want to like make an appointment or something yeah. like they can definitely meet at other times that when they might be available. Yeah, I would recommend I would definitely recommend appointments, especially mm -hmm. sometimes like you go to office hours and there's like a bunch of people there and the entire time you're yeah. just like you want to ask the professor a question, but like or like maybe your question takes longer than like five minutes to answer and you don't want to waste everybody's time or you have a personal question or you just don't want like, uh, you just don't want to like think about like all the other people around. You just want to like talk to your professor. Yeah, without like 15 people. But, yeah, without just like thinking about like, man, like do these other people hate me now? Because like, <laughs> you know. Don't judge me I always, guys. I always, <laughs> I always feel like that. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. Like, especially when other people are there, it's like, oh my gosh, am I like wasting their time? Yeah. And I think that's also like one of the things why people, like one of the reasons why people don't go because- Don't go to office hours. Yeah, yeah. because they think like, oh, if I go, like I might be bothering the professor or like if there are a lot of people there, like they might have more important questions than me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then they just end up don't going. Um, yeah, but I do think just like, yeah, yeah going to office hours, um, talk also like talking to them after class, a lot of them like they'll, you know, stick around for a few minutes, just if you have any questions about class or anything. And I think just in terms of like, the conversations that we have during office hours, I think it's it's helpful to obviously start off just with like class stuff. Um, asking about like essays or tests or whatever problems you need help on. Um, but also just like, beyond that like if I just go in for like a homework question or something I've noticed that like sometimes like the conversation does kind of grow beyond that yeah yeah like I, I remember this one time I went in for um this was for like a math class that I took last spring like I remember the professor was eating like 
like trail mix or something and I was like oh my gosh I love almonds and then we started talking about almonds and it was like such a great time (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um you really never know you know where the conversations can go and sometimes they just might end up telling you about like their wives or children or family so (laughs) yeah for sure I had a professor once that it's like at the end of the semester he made appointments Uh with students he was like will you come talk to me for like 15 minutes like at this and this time I think that's a really nice thing he was a great professor I'm still in touch with him too he, he was just like hey like you're cool I want to get to know you better like Aww. do you want to come talk to me in my office and I was like that's yeah so- <laughs> you're freaking cool I love that he's like a music he's like a music history p- professor I really appreciate that I think it's a good system I would recommend that to professors yeah No, I totally second that Um, because I do think like, especially just as someone who um, done research on campus, like I do feel like there are a lot of professors who just kind of like want to do their research and just kind of don't want to be bothered, you know? Um, So I I really do appreciate like professors who just genuinely take the time to like, you know, teach and to get to know the people they're teaching. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just in terms of, like, after the semester, how have we been keeping in touch with professors? Um, I mean, I keep in touch with people via email. Before COVID happened, honestly, like, most of the interactions I had um, with this one professor, Neil, we would just run into each other on campus. Hmm. Because, like, I would see him, like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9.50 a.m. coming from, like, you know, there's one building, and then, like, I'd walk the same way, and then, like, I'd see him sometimes or something. Those are, like, the two ways you interact with professors, Mm. is, like, randomly on campus when you run into them, and then, like, via email. Yeah, and when you see them, just, like, casually, like, walk in the same direction. (laughs) Fully. (laughs) I don't think it's weird, like, it depends. Yeah, if you've, like, taken his class, and you've, like, talked to him, and, like, yeah, I think it's totally fine to just to say hi. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, I know in terms of keeping in touch, what works really well for me is just, yeah, emailing every, like, couple of months. Um, I try to do, like, at least once a semester because if I don't, it's, you know, been, like, a year. So, like, it's been a while. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. You don't want to fall into that zone of, like, oh, I never emailed them and now it's been so long. And then it's, like, you, and then you, like, keep putting it off because it's already been too long. And then it's, like, yeah. actually. Yeah, time. and it's just, like, it never happened. And if you have a good relationship with a professor, they just want to hear about what you're doing. Just be like, hey, like, you know, I'm doing this research or, like, tell them about what you're doing in your life. Talk about the books you're yeah. reading. Um, talk about your hobbies. Like, send them interesting articles that might, you know, pertain to whatever you guys might have yeah. talked about. But not too many. Yeah, don't send them, like, ten, because then... Uh, I've done that. <laughs> well, you literally have. You just don't want to send someone, like... Okay, personally, I hate it when someone sends me, like, an hour's worth of content to process. I just won't respond to you. Yeah. From psych and neuroscience, our brains definitely don't have that long of an attention span. Um, but that's really funny that you have, like, first-hand experience. And then I was like, wait, maybe I shouldn't be that person. <laughs> that person <laughs> I would just get excited I'd be like oh this and this and this and this that you were like that freshman who was like oh my god guys like <laughs> <sighs> the cringe is real I feel like a lot of us were like kind of like that at some point you know like we, re- we just really wanted to like impress our professors 
because they're just like so smart and so knowledgeable and so impressing people is good it's also it's like a necessary part of adolescence yeah because we're figuring out we're figuring out who we who we are also do you think for the relationships that you've grown over the years um do you think you want to keep them going after graduation absolutely if i find a professor like really worthwhile i kind of want to just like be friends with them after i graduate yeah i think it's awesome i want to quote you from the other day a few weeks ago you were like i think neil and i might be lifelong friends i think we are that's so pure and wholesome very wholesome just in terms of some of the memories that we've had over the years with them do you have any like fun memories you can recall okay so this is a funny one so this kind of segues into the food project Wait, by the way, Chris runs like a food and design project where he cooks very elaborate meals. So I was doing the, the food project the finals week of my freshman year. And so this mm. was after I had been in Neil's class. Mm. My colleague and I, um, we wanted to have like a dinner with professors. Like we wanted to invite some of our favorite professors to one of the dinners we were doing. And um, so we invited four professors, three, three of my uh three of my colleagues, professors, and, and Neil. And all of the ones of my friend canceled. <laughs> so it was just oh Neil. God. We were kind of nervous. We were like, we're inviting him to this, like, and he's the only one there. So it's like the two of us. And then like, he had never met Neil. And it was like in the dorm kitchen. Oh. Place. You know how in, they have the like apartment style dorms? It was, yeah, like, yeah. And, like, and then we're going to feed him this like four course meal. And it was like during finals week. We had not slept in the past like three days. I'd slept maybe like 10 hours total. Oh like, it, my god. Like it was so bad because <laughs> we were just like cooking. And then we were also studying for our finals. It was really crazy because we would like we would we would be cooking all day until like 1 a.m. And then we would pull an all-nighter studying for our finals oh and then gosh. cook the next day. So we invited him over and served him this like dinner and he was he was just like so excited about it and thought it was really cool and we like we just had great like great conversations about like lots of things it was a very cool experience for all of us um and then you know the dinner ended we cleaned up i pulled an all-nighter to study for my cop final and then i failed it (laughs) no wait were you in neil's class no that would be funny no 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 First exam I ever failed um, oh my was my final exam of my calculus class. Oh my god. So yeah, that's the story. Like a miserable night before that, I was like drinking like espresso from Starbucks and it was like, I had like, I remember I like packed up all my sheets from off my bed and so I was trying yeah. to get like two hours of sleep. But I was like freezing cold and like I didn't have any of my like sheets. So I was like sleeping oh like on my like bare mattress. It was miserable. <laughs> At least you got to talk with a great professor and you got to get some great food in your stomach so <laughs> yes got to get some great food in his stomach he's vegan now so we have to do a like vegan oh, he is? plating for him wow that is incredible it was it was great we were so happy that he came because like we had prepared this meal and we we're like god like if all of them cancel and then we just like have nobody like work. i mean like obviously we're doing it for ourselves too but like we yeah. worked on this meal for like days it was insane Maybe it was meant to be. Maybe maybe they were just meant to all, like, cancel. 
you know, because Neil. We'll so. have the, you know, they're on our list. We'll have them over. They'll they'll be over another time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know for me, just for some fun memories over the years. Um, last summer, I went to Louisiana on a May Mester. Mm-hmm. So um, for those of you who don't know, so May, a May Mester is just like a class during the summer where you like travel to different parts of the world. And yeah, and then you basically take the class there. Um, so super fun. You get to do a lot of traveling. So we went to like New Orleans. We went to Baton Rouge. We went to Grand Isle. We went to like all these, su- like all these incredible, wow. incredible places. Yeah. And I just remember like my main master professor, this one night we were like eating dinner. Um, it was like a group dinner. So it was, it was, I think it was one of our last nights um, in New Orleans. We were all so tight because we had literally spent like three entire weeks, like literally every single waking moment together um, for an entire three weeks. Yeah, that really is like a bonding. Definitely. Yeah, because you're like eating together, like you're eating together, you're like doing all these fun things together. You're like braving like thunderstorms and like <laughs> horrible weather in Louisiana. Yeah, 100 degree weather. Like <laughs> nice. it's really a time. Yeah. Also, we're walking like 10 miles a day. Dang. Um, yeah. And yeah, so anyways, we're at this dinner. And like my professor, he was just like he was showing us pictures of his wedding. He got married at like 21 or 22. Wow. Um, yeah, so pretty early. Yeah. Um, he did 10 different like dialects, English dialects. So he was like, guys, like I'm gonna do Scottish one and then I'm gonna do Isaacs. <laughs> That's so cool. Wow. I know. And then also like I just remember because he knew that I was like math econ, he was like, Do you know why there isn't a Nobel Prize for math? Wait, do you actually know why? No, I have no idea. Okay, so apparently, Nobel, so his wife apparently cheated on him with a mathematician. And that's the reason why there's no prize. There's no Nobel Prize. Is that a real fact? That sounds like a fake fact. But he was like, that's true. That sounds really lovely. That entire experience was amazing. Relationships take time to build and everything. But I think once you really do build that, like, rapport, it's, it's amazing. It really yeah, is. it's really great. But yeah, also in terms of, so just kind of going back to what you were talking about before. So in terms of food, I think we should talk a bit about your incredible food and design project. Another thing I love to talk about. So how did your project originally start? It started with myself and my best friend Jacob, who he and I worked together on it. I was always like a bit of a hobby cook and my parents care a lot about good food and also like are very like culturally aware like I ate Chinese food and Ethiopian food and food from like all over the world that my parents cook themselves wow. um, so they really care about like food cooked from scratch with good ingredients mm-hmm. my dad is like quite an adventurous hobby chef and he's always striving to like make a better ramen make a better like potato pancake like whatever it is I was big into cooking but just in a sort of like you know home cooking kind of capacity. I met my friend Jacob my freshman year of college and he was super stoked on fine dining, especially like this restaurant in Chicago called Alinea, which is rated like America's best restaurant. It has three Michelin stars. It got three Michelin stars when it opened, which is like pretty much unheard of for restaurants. Um, It's extremely like groundbreaking restaurant and they just make the most incredible food, like mind blowing. He'd, he'd gone there like the year before with his friends and it was apparently it just like changed his life such a crazy experience for him and he's an architecture major 
architecture and philosophy major. So he's very like creative and into like design and like mm. architecture and you know all sorts of things like that. Basically, he was talking about you know this restaurant Alinea and the chef Grant Ackett's, um, who's just like did things with food that no one else did and was just like producing these like crazy creative awesome things and it's also just like a very cool and interesting person and I started like learning about the restaurant from him and like you know researching it watching videos looking at pictures of like the food and stuff like that when he went to Alinea his friend bought the Alinea cookbook um which is you know contains like an entire year's worth of their recipes one of the things Alinea does which is or is really amazing is that they completely remake their menu every season so four times a year there's oh, a completely wow. new me- new 22 course menu um, oh my and gosh. so this and the cookbook contains four seasons worth of dishes so it's like mm-hmm. four four menus basically one year's worth mm-hmm. of menus mm-hmm. um and I don't know we were just like hanging out one day and he was like hey do you want to look at this cookbook and I was like yeah sure and so we were looking at it ah like this dish is so cool like I always wanted to make it like I always gravitated toward this dish it's called it's called guava and I was like why don't we make it like let's do it 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 contains like elements of, of guava fruit oh, okay and lots of other things as well um I can sort of describe it this is our, our first dish that we cooked uh-huh. and so we sort of and so like in the course of this afternoon we sort of when we were looking through the cookbook and he was like I want to make this one definitely he's a very ambitious person when he gets and like when he gets excited about something it's like that thing will get done like it I will love just that get, he's a really really great person to work with That's amazing. it's an awesome it's like an awesome force of someone who's just like this is what I want this exact thing I will not settle for anything less than this and it's happening right now I feel like a lot of people you know we say things we're like oh we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and then it like never happens yeah so. and it never happens yeah not a thing he has a vision that is very uncompromising and I find that like a really admirable quality and it's great yeah and he lives up to it that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. It's very inspiring. And like, you know, I'm sort of more of the like, okay, let's take this vision and make it a reality, like make it practical, make it real, make it actually possible to be made. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys are such a good team. <laughs> That's the sort of like working dynamic that we have. It's, 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 a, it's, it's, of course, it's more nuanced than that. I would say like we work very equally. So basically like at the end of this afternoon, we had picked out not one, but nine dishes that we wanted to make, composed them into a nine course menu and planned a date six months from that day that we were going to serve this nine course meal and then planned many events leading up to that even making one of these dishes is insane and so you have to make it and you know fuck it up a bunch of times (laughs) and then the second time you make it it'll turn out actually good or like you know basically iterations of that we've streamlined our process a lot since since then Wait, so every single time you cook, you have to cook it multiple times to get it, like, right? So at the beginning, that's what we planned, because basically we didn't want to have the thing of, like, you know, you're making something, and then it it fucks up, and it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. and then you you can't serve it. It's, like, it's ruined. Yeah. Um, and so basically, if you do that, you, like, iron out all the kinks um, beforehand, and then when you make it the second time, it's much easier, um, and you already know what's difficult, what's easy, like you've already made all of the mistakes so you don't make them again kind of thing. We don't do that anymore because we don't need to. Um, but basically like each dish is consists of components. You know, we need to make like this gel and this little thing and like this sphere and this like, 
powder or like or this like element whatever mm. um and if we mess up an element we just make it again and like sometimes we have to remake things like four or five times before we're happy with the way they are oh my gosh um yeah. but then we just make the individual elements and then you know keep track of all of them and then it all comes together in the dish at the end let me tell you we were crazy back then we did <laughs> not sleep we spent thousands of dollars like it really? was crazy it was it was insane we had to like buy all this equipment we bought all these like specialty products like we were cooking it out of a dorm kitchen <laughs> which is insane we made it work it was awesome but it like it like consumed our lives like it was unsustainable we've always kind of battled with like you know making it to where it's like we can still like do okay in class and like have a balance you know in our lives um and we're you know so you're not cooking for like 20 hours a day <laughs> no basically like after that like we we met our goal we we had that nine course dinner we also you know we also have to buy like serviceware like if you're serving eight people you need beautiful cups beautiful plates mm. you need wine glasses you need champagne glasses you need silverware like you need mm. all these things you need beautiful tablecloths and like you know you need a beautiful dining room to present your food yeah. you also need waiters we want to pay attention to every single detail like that's part of the unique thing that we do is like we built the tables that because we're also woodworkers we built the tables that your food is being made off of we made the tablecloth we pick we picked out every piece of serviceware we've cultivated a collection which dish goes on which plate what drink goes in which cup we've prepared every component of the food from scratch we've instructed the service team on like you know what to say how to act it's like every every component it's like we've arranged the centerpiece of the table we've decided like the pace of the courses that come out like which courses come out fast which ones you know do we give some time all of these sort of like little things that make the dining experience like really you know magical it's it's really fun down to the tiniest detail yeah we do our best we also um props to jacob he makes beautiful branding we make beautiful menus but yeah that's the goal is like and you know we don't always meet that goal it's like some you know sometimes like things go wrong like you know something doesn't work out that's just like part of the process but it's like we strive mm -hmm. for that perfection like everything is exactly the way we envisioned and planned it and you know the food tastes amazing the guests you know we also plan like where the guests sit you know in relation to each other uh, we've even done a dinner where like we had the guests move halfway through so that they're not just like sitting next to like the person they know so like sitting next to a new person Ooh, that's fun that's really building community we also like you know cultivate our guest list of like you know who should we invite to this one like who would get along who can have these like really meaningful conversations um and bond over over the food that we're serving yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly and then it's you know we can also like tailor the dinner to that like we've done right. like mini platings that are only like you know three or four courses for like some of our friends and then we'll do like big official like eight to 20 course ones where we'll invite adults and you know stuff like that so not that we're not adults but like you know, <laughs> yeah now that you're kind of talking about the food um so do you do like different course meals for like different you said for different occasions our restaurant project is like kind of like a pop-up style thing right now of like we'll decide like we're having a plating this and this day. And that means that we'll do two dinners of eight people. So we'll serve 16 people total. There'll be eight on one night and eight on the other night. And so we'll design a menu for that occasion. And we never do the same menu twice. Um, although we do sometimes repeat individual dishes. 
Um, and the dishes themselves are a mixture of, um, we draw a lot of inspiration from millennia, so we often uh, showcase their recipes. Mm. We've also drawn in inspiration from the French Laundry, which is a restaurant in Yountsville, California, mm. um, which is also like a three Michelin star restaurant, like a really great restaurant. They do like French food. It's, it's, a, it's much more traditional than Alinea. Alinea is like very avant-garde food. Mm. And the French laundry is more like this sort of like comforting French, like familiar, but like excellent. And like definitely always with like a very refined twist. It's not mm. like conventional food. And then the third component is dishes that we invent ourselves. Um, so it's probably pretty equally balanced among those three. Probably mostly either Alinea dishes or dishes that we invent. With the dishes that you invent, do you kind of look to certain places for like inspiration or is it just very like spontaneous kind of? Both. We look to places for inspiration. It's often like something we've eaten or something we've seen. One sort of component of like something that a restaurant does, like maybe they like combine like an orange with cheese and we're like, oh, that's like really interesting. And then we like Mm. try something like that. And then we sort of build a dish around that. Sometimes it's inspired by like the groceries that we see. We usually... Um, cook with uh, seasonal produce and so we'll go to the farmer's market and we'll see like amazing figs right now so like then we want to yes. make something with figs and then we're like what goes yeah. with figs and then we like build a dish around that Ooh, um, yes. and so the, sort of the rule of like inventing dishes is like you can keep adding components as long as like each component goes with like two of the other components and then it won't be like really weird mm. um, or like things or it won't be like something like doesn't go well together but It'll usually start as like a kernel of inspiration of like something we think of or something we see or like I'll have like a vision of like what if a tomato were like doing this thing and then we like build a dish around. We'll have a vision. <laughs> I would say the weirdest one is like I had like a dream about like this food, this like blueberry dessert, and then I was like I want to like make this actually, which I haven't gotten around to, but I will. Oh, okay. So your dreams soon they will become reality. <laughs> I I already have a recipe in my head, but I haven't wow. actually gotten around to making. Divine inspiration. (laughs) Just in terms of like LA's food scene, so just diverse. It is very diverse. Yeah. And so I think that's super cool that also just that you're doing this like there. Yeah. LA is a great place to do it. We also just have access to just so much, like, first of all, like specialty like shops. We've been doing this long enough now that like we have relationships with like butcher whenever we do meat stuff which is very rare we have a relationship Mm. with like um certain like growers at the farmer's market who we like always source things from like where we source like our olive oil from and things like that it's like we sort of have like people that we go to and you can just get really great produce in LA it's just really amazing I love the farmer's markets (laughs) (sighs) the best we go to the one in Santa Monica. That's the best one. Wednesday morning. Yeah, and also just like beyond the just the food itself, like how do you create a space that sort of enhances the dining experience? What specific things do you do to to enhance that? Especially just for different guests, it's always going to be like a different feel, a different kind of vibe, right? Mm-hmm. We have a sort of way that we want to make people feel. These experiences, they're all about emotions. You're going to eat amazing food, but like more importantly, like you're going to have like an unforgettable experience. And that means that like you need to feel something inside of you. Like you don't just need to be like, oh, this tastes really good or like, or even like, you know, wonder at something like, oh, this is really well executed. Like this looks really great. Like this is like very professional or like whatever. It's like you want to feel, want to be like, delighted or like surprised or satisfied or like feel like have some like 
very strong primal emotional response. <laughs> it's like when you go to a restaurant, it's like you want to be like taken care of. Like you want like you want to like come in and like someone like takes your coat and they like take you to the table. It's like a huge part of it is service team is Definitely. like the people who are serving is that like they're immaculate and they're abundant and wonderful when the diner has a question they can answer it the demeanor of the service team is like very it's like a, an important part of like a fine dining restaurant's brand like the way servers at Alinea act is for example very different the way like servers at the french laundry act and one of the very finest restaurants in la is anaka um, which is a kaiseki restaurant mm. and wonderful service experience and so that's something that wow. Um, we really emphasize. And then also we emphasize like everything around you when you're eating is beautiful. The table is beautiful. The chair is beautiful. The the plates, the cups, this, everything is beautiful. And it's like, and that everything is perfect. Everything is delightful and lovely. And, and you look around and like, you see these like people that you're talking to and you see these like lovely things and like, maybe there's plants, very lovely and that you're comfortable. And is this usually outside? We've done indoor and out. We've done indoor and outdoor, half-half, but I think now that we have a real space to serve in, hmm. um, we're going to tend to do more indoor, because we used to have, like, a great outdoor space to serve in, now we have a great indoor space to serve in, so. A big thing um, about coming to our playing specifically is it's very, like, it's a bit, like, underground, it's, like, you wouldn't really, like, hear about it, and so it's quite exclusive, and of course you'll get to, like, talk to us, the chefs, and, like, you know, we always come out and do, like, some sort of, like, table-side presentation, and then you can, like, ask us any questions, and, like, see the kitchen if you want to. Oh my um, gosh. And sometimes we'll ask people like, hey, like, what was your favorite part? And if someone is like, oh, like, I really love this, like, ice cream ball or like, whatever, we'll be like, oh, we have some extra in the back. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> or something like that. And then um, so there's, there's a lot of that sort of like taking like the snootiness out of fine dining. It shouldn't be about like, oh, like, this is something like really fancy and like stuck up and you like sit with your like tie and like napkin and your fork <laughs> in your life. With your hands, like do whatever you want. Just like enjoying this magical experience that like we've put together for you. Yeah, it's like you're taking fine dining and you're making it more accessible. Yeah. To be fair, like we we didn't start that trend. We just jumped on that. You're bringing it to USC. Yes. Very exciting. It seems like you and um, and your friend Jacob have like definitely grown this project to be something pretty incredible. Um, Do you think you have future plans for like where? you sort of want this project to go. I know the dorm that I lived in freshman year, like they have weekly faculty dinners. Mm -hmm. That would be so cool if like you could bring that kind of dining experience to like to the different residential colleges. But yeah, I was just wondering like where you kind of see this going in the future. Yeah, we would love to do stuff like that. It's a, we sort of like have, I mean, everything is kind of like on hold because of COVID. Yeah. Of course. Um, But like we sort of have like, numerous trajectories of what we want to do and I think we'll sort of like sort out what works best for us but one of the things is that we now have a dining space that is really like you know apt for what we're doing and that we can serve in and so we can have like platings in that space and a professional kitchen that we're you know building and designing ourselves Mm -hmm. that will like be exactly what we need and then seamless integration with the dining space we sort of like the idea of errata like moving around and like going to places Mm, so it's kind of like a mobile thing yeah and sort of like transforming a space that's just like a normal space into something else for like a couple Mm. of nights and then disappearing again and so like a way to do that is is definitely through like catering catering sounds so blah but like you know cultivating a like, you know, 
dining experience, which we've actually, we've done like, you know, a couple of parties and things where we've um, done that. And so we love doing that sort of thing. It's super fun. Mm. Um, We always do something like very interesting and like surprising to people. And so that's definitely something that we're interested in doing. And like, we're trying to like, you know, make those connections to like make that happen at USC, possibly also other places um, once that like is allowed again. Yeah, of course. We might, you know, settle down in a location at some point or move it around. One of the experiential, experiential like restaurants we draw from is actually this restaurant doesn't exist anymore. It's called Fabican. It's like a restaurant and spa and it's like in the middle of absolute nowhere. <laughs> like it's impossible to get there. And you stay at the resort for like a day or two or like as long as you want. Yeah. And, and then you like eat at the restaurant, but you also like, you're in this like Nordic like wasteland with like caribou and stuff and so you're like basically like transported to this like whole new place and then you're like experiencing wow and that's that's something that we think is really cool then it's good that it's in the middle of nowhere because you can just focus on that one experience (laughs) so it's like that's sort of that's sort of an idea that we really like of like doing Mm. something probably not permanently but like you know of this sort of like total immersion into this like world yeah for like one meal one day and then having it be kind of like an occasional thing too I feel like that definitely like draws people's attention and it's like ooh, like I want Mm -hmm. I want more I want more yeah definitely yeah it keeps people on their toes which is exciting (laughs) within reason yeah not erratic but (laughs) never boring we did a family thing for Thanksgiving but it was like erotic you know how Thanksgiving food is like kind of terrible (laughs) making the best version of every like traditional Thanksgiving thing you revamped the the menu. <laughs> we, yeah, I mean, we basically, like, we made everything. It was, like, very, like, very traditional. Like, there were a few things that were not traditional, but um, there was no pumpkin pie. What? Wait, I love pie. <laughs> we, we made something better, I guarantee you. We made, like, a, we made, like, a, this, like, chocolate cinnamon dessert thing. It was, oh, damn, that sounds really good. <laughs> we were, like, committed to making, like, a good version of, like, Thanksgiving food. Next time I'm in L.A., I definitely want to go to one of your events. Wow, this is... You should. Absolutely. I'll, I'll put you on our list. <gasps> yes, keep me posted. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I enjoyed that very much. Um, so did I. For college students out there, especially for freshmen and just for transfers um, who might be feeling out of place, I urge all of you to just make the best of your time in college, just cultivating that community um, of people around you, whether that be in the classroom or just beyond. And also, if any of you are interested in Chris's project, I'll link it below. Yeah, and then you can check it out if you're interested. Um, This is Wendy, and thanks for listening. I will catch you all next time. Mm